Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. Are you currently walking through a specific valley and looking for resources to help you in your pain? I think we can all attest to the fact that there is tremendous comfort in hearing from those who have walked a similar path and have found hope and healing on the other side. That's why we've created collections of resources called Curated Pathways to help you navigate your specific pain points. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place speak to what you're experiencing right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. I mean, let's admit it. When you're facing a crisis, loss, or trauma, you just don't have the time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to search for or wade through all of the resources that could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways have to offer by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted curated pathways, as well as our entire library of masterclasses, bonus episodes, live coaching, live events, replays, and more. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows. Our team has been working very hard on this to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you or to friends and family that you know who are going through a tough time. We know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, or get a taste of our curated pathways by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. You can find both of those links in the show notes of this episode. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story, and we're committed to giving you resources in an easy way for you to access those so that you can do just that. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts... Davy Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey Sampson. And I'm Davy Blackburn. And it's so great to have you guys joining us for this special 9 11 edition of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Aubrey, it's been 21 years. I can't believe that. And I know it's been 21 years because Kevin and I got married uh, the same year that 9 11 occurred in January. And so wow. I, I mean, you don't keep track of your anniversary by 9-11, but it's just something I'm aware of. Like, wow, yeah. right after we were married, this tragedy happened. It's unbelievable, though, that it's been 21 years because don't you feel like you remember it like yesterday? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, uh, you know, that's that's something that as we've learned, that's what trauma does to you, right? That mm-hmm. that was this national tragedy that happened. We remember these acute details yeah. about that. Everybody can remember where they were Yeah, it's, when they heard the news, it's, you know? 
it, it's unbelievable. Everybody can remember exactly where they were because it was so shocking. And uh, I'm glad for our guest today, Christina Stanton, mm-hmm. uh, because she's one, she's a powerful story. But the reason that we we're having right. her on today is because she was a survivor of 9-11. Yeah. yeah. And uh, part of her story, too, Davey, you were telling me this, that she also got uh, COVID like pretty yeah. early on, really a, significantly, a right? Really bad bout with it. Yeah, absolutely. So she's and, a woman like at the epicenter of, oh, a lot of kind of, these of global tragedies. National, yeah. international global tragedies. Mm-hmm. And so talk about a unique perspective on that kind of tragedy, yeah. right? Yeah. Not just like a personal, you know, um, uh, tr- tragedy that happens within your own personal life, mm-hmm. right? She's absolutely wrestled with that as a survivor sure. of 9-11, as a survivor of COVID. Yeah. But then also her perspective speaking into what did this mean for the entire you know, global community that, and then she was a part of a church yeah. on staff there at a church in in New York City Ugh. that began to kind of help through some of this stuff. Now she, what you'll find out in the story, she wasn't on staff while the aftermath of nine eleven was happening. This actually plays into so much of her story in coming to the Lord. Amazing. Um, and so it's just a very powerful story. I mean. I was riveted the entire conversation. And so I'm so grateful that we got connected with her. Um, Aubrey, where were you when the news broke of 9-11? Yeah, I, you know, again, like you said, everyone remembers so clearly. I, at the time, it was my first job after graduating college. I worked at the Wade Center at Wheaton College, which is the okay. the archive that houses the works of C.S. Lewis and uh, J.R.R. Oh, wow. Tolkien and Chesterton. And the reason that comes into play is because I was driving to work and I, you know, you, you hear the news on the radio and the first news is that a plane crashed into one of the twin towers, but right, you don't realize right. it's terrorism at that time. Right. Like, right. so you're just thinking, or I was just Some thinking kind of major accident. What a, yeah, yeah. What, what happened? This airline pilot made such a big faux pas. Yeah. And then of course the news unfolds and you realize what actually happened. And, and at the Wade center that day, I remember two things really specifically. Um, one, everybody wanted to go home because you can't yeah. really concentrate on no, work. Uh-uh. Except I remember our director talking about um, both Lewis and Tolkien in wartime saying right. you almost like you need to keep living your daily life as sort of an act of protest against tyranny. And mm. so he had us, I mean, I think back, uh, thinking wow. back on it now, I, I still wish he would have let us go home because it was so overwhelming. And yet yeah. there was something wise in that. Like he was like, we will not, we're going to stay as like an act of protest wow. against this, this um, horrific act. Like it will wow. not destroy our daily life. Um, And then secondly, I remember I was communicating with another archivist in New York City, like the day, and it was, I actually printed out our emails because I thought this is going to matter in a future date that we had this communication, him just describing the horrors that he was seeing and how overwhelmed he was. And um, just like us kind of exchanging, like, I'm so sorry, praying for you, him him like, yeah, we need those prayers. And I, I don't know, those yeah. sorts of details stand out because it, and, and there's other things you remember. I want to hear your story too, Davey, but like, do you remember like the phone lines? Like you couldn't get through to people. Oh, yeah. I remember, right. you know, just things like that. And then here in Chicago, <clears throat> they were like clearing out the city. So friends I knew that worked downtown right. were coming home. It's just a lot. Which all that just adds to the mayhem. And yeah. The yeah. And okay. Now what about you? Cause I know you were younger than me. So you were in high school when this happened, right? I, yep. I was in high school when it happened and I remember it was going to chemistry class. And the, when I walked into class, there was 
uh, the TVs were on, the monitors were on. And I think it was like the second period of my day or something, right? Second, because it's about nine o'clock Eastern time or so that it, Yeah. well, I guess I was in central time at that because I grew up in Alabama. Okay. So I would have been in central time. And, and I remember, you know, we were supposed to have a test that day. It seemed so trite, but like every, you know, nobody could t- concentrate and focus on the test and they couldn't in high school just kind of send us all home. And so they had to keep us there and figure out what was going on. And, but I remember the whole day was just, everybody was just miffed. What in the world is happening? Mm. And, um, I don't think you understand the gravity of it. I think now knowing, right. Seeing some of the, you know, reading more news and being more aware of the global climate and stuff. If something like that were to happen now at the age that I'm at, I'd be a lot more unnerved by it for sure. I mean, it would be because you think about, you know, your kids and you think about all of these Mm -hmm. things that are in your responsibility. I imagine being in Chicago at that time, Aubrey had to have been really unnerving too. Right. I mean, because that's a major metropolitan city that Mm -hmm. would, you would think, could be. I mean, my mind would go this this city could be a target if that's yeah, the case. Yeah, and, and that was certainly some of the like language and the and the panic around the city, you know, but yeah. I um I I think genuinely though, and I might be remembering wrong because it has been 21 years, but I think genuinely it was like pretty obvious like okay, these, it's, you know, they attack so many different places. It seems like the attacks are done. Now we just have to give all of our support to the rest of the mm. country. You know, wow. I, the city was buckled down for a while and I think shut down for a few days after. Yeah. But then pretty much it was like, I mean, like everywhere across the world, like all of a sudden you're like, oh gosh, we have to support the people right. of New York City and, and some of the other places right. that were hit that day. And I mean, I, I can even remember, like we had friends in England that called us and they were like, are you guys okay? And we were like, no, wow. no, no, we're, New York City is really far away in Chicago, but it, it impacted so many people worldwide. Wow. And I yeah. think you're right though, there is something to the state of the world now and I think just being older, mm-hmm. that it probably would have hit all of us like you and I in a different way yeah. if it yeah. happened now than it Absolutely. did when we were at the age we were when it happened. Absolutely. But I, I'm so grateful for Christina's wisdom oh my for her faith journey in the middle of it. I mean, I'm how God you. like drew how God her can, to himself. Can leverage these yeah, things unbelievable. for people's, people's, you know, faith journey and their, and their relationship with him personally. I think it's amazing. So let's, let's go ahead and do this. Let's, um, let's listen to my conversation with Christina Stanton and Aubrey and I will be um, back on the back end of this podcast episode and we'll talk some more about it. Well, Christina, great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, your story is riveting. It's fascinating. It's... um, Okay, I can't even give preface to it because I don't know if I've ever uh, spoken with someone who has experienced, at least firsthand, experienced what you've experienced. And and so, um, you know, we're obviously releasing this during uh, the time that we as a nation are remembering 9-11. You have walked through it and, um, and, and you have a unique experience in it. And so I... I want to get to that, but first, before we dive into your story, I would love to just hear a little bit about you and your family and kind of present-day Christina Stanton's life right now. All right. So I'm from Tallahassee, Florida, originally. That's my hometown. And I moved up to New York City when I was 23 because I had that quintessential dream of 
I wanted to go up and make my way in the world and see how I do in the big city. So I moved up there to, to be an actress okay. <laughs> to give it a shot. And um, it was kind of um, my backpacking across Europe, you know, kind of yeah. gap, gap year kind of kind of motivation. So I moved up there when I was 23 in 1993 and yeah. fell in love with the city. Just thought it was exciting and grand and wonderful and an, and an awesome adventure and made friends quickly and met my husband up there in 2000, no, in 1999. We got married in, uh, within six months in 2000. And we've been up there ever since. I mm -hmm. have um, been working for Redeemer Presbyterian Church for 10 years as a missions director. And I also, along the way, became a licensed New York City tour guide. So I've been giving people people tours around Manhattan, around New York City wow. since 1995, so a very oh, wow. long time. And that's yeah. always been a lot of fun. And yeah. then I would say about 10 years ago, I started uh, writing a lot. And that actually came from my position at Redeemer since I had to write so many updates and newsletters. And then that morphed into writing a book on our experiences during 9-11. Wow. And, and also just um, Christian life. I write a lot of essays of things that I've become challenged with, and and I know that is challenging for others, and I like to, to share my thoughts. And so I do quite a bit of writing, and my articles have have uh, have uh, made the rounds in, in different publications. So, yeah, just kind of a creative soul who, um, kind of small-town girl who fell in love with the big city, but also fell in love with God along mm. the way. And, of course, that changed the trajectory of my life and my husband's life and um, and all of our roads lead back to 9/11 really mm. of our of our present day. Wow. So I thank God I'm I'm still here on this earth and and he still has a plan for me and um here and for however long he wants me. Wow. Wow. Well, just to give the listeners some context, you know, she just mentioned Redeemer Prez and um that uh, has been pastored for a long time by um Timothy Keller, um pastor, author, speaker um, who has gone through his own fair share of suffering, but you may have heard me mention this on the podcast or elsewhere because his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, was very pivotal in my own healing journey. And so it's really great to be able to talk with you, Christina, not only because of your own story, but also your um, you know, your time there at Redeemer Prez. And you guys have a, a culture that is, is uh, really thoughtful about theology, but also about suffering, about, you know, where God is in the midst of suffering and what's going on in our stories when suffering comes into our story and how God is interjecting and intervening in those situations as well. And so what I love about your story that we're going to dive into right now is that you've, you've chronicled this, as you said, in a book called Out of the Shadow of 9-11. And you're not just like an observer of this national tragedy, you're a survivor of it as well. Um, and then likewise, which we'll get to in this conversation as well, you've written a book called Faith in the Face of COVID-19, which is another national global tragedy in some respects. And you're not, again, a, just an observer of what's going on in the layout of, you know, historically and globally and, you know, but also a survivor of that. And so you have a very unique perspective. Why don't we dive back into the beginning of your story, whatever you would deem the beginning, and let's kind of walk through that. So the listener can get some good context for um, you walking through each one of these tragedies. Well, if we're going to go back to um, 
um, if I were to, if I were to start at any point, I would start about when I moved to New York City in September of 1993, because when I moved there again, young, 23, wanted to be an actress. I also was uh, naive in a lot of senses. You know, when I was in college, my whole life was geared around college. I don't think I turned on the TV to watch the news once. <laughs> I missed a lot of things during yeah. those years that were significant. And one of them was the original World Trade Center bombing, which happened in February of 1993. So I moved to New York City just six months after the original bombing. So when I arrived to the city, the city was actually still in mourning. I mean, people were back at work at the, at the Twin Towers. Life goes on. Nothing really stops life in New York City. But I... I, I wasn't prepared for for the fact that I was going to a sitting, I was moving to a city in mourning. And that was almost the backdrop of um of and foreshadowing of of what was to come, to tell you the truth. Yeah. So fast forward from 1993 when I moved um to New York City in September, I had met my husband, we had married. And uh, in July of 2001, we were searching for our married home, right? When I was single, I'd always lived in Times Square. So I remember my husband came home to our, to our, um, our temporary apartment and said, hey, I found this great apartment in the financial district. And I said, the financial district, who lives there? That's like a place where people work. It's not really a residential area. There's not a ton of grocery stores and shops and... Um, he said, yeah, okay, but you're going to really like this apartment. So really, our story about 9-11 is all tied to where we were living because we wouldn't have had this uh, a similar experience if we hadn't been living um, ultimately but, uh, within six blocks of the Twin Towers of the World right. Trade Center complex. So love the apartment. And what I loved about it was they had, uh, there was this wonderful 300-square-foot terrace that was connected to our huge 800-square-foot apartment on the 24th floor, again, six blocks away from the Twin Towers. And the terrace faced the Twin Towers, which is why I loved it so much and fell in love with it. So we moved into this apartment July the 7th of 2001. And I was 32. My husband was 35. We'd been married a year and a half. We had just got a a dog and... um, we were just ready to start life. I thought, wow, you know, I have this wonderful husband who has this wonderful job with IBM. Look at me. I have a 300-square-foot terrace in the sky, almost like my version of a penthouse. I, I felt <laughs> like I'd really made it. Like, yeah. literally, the sky was the limit. And so we were only in that apartment for two months before the attacks happened. So that morning, I was still asleep, and my husband was awake the impact of the first plane hitting the North Tower was so close to our apartment building, it shook our building, and he knew wow. something horrible had just happened. He came and shook me awake, and we rushed out onto our terrace and looked at the, 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 the flames, uh, the, 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 um, the clouds of, of smoke coming from either side of the North Tower. Now, I understand we were directly south of that tower, so the plane didn't come through the other side. Uh, it lodged in the building. And so we really didn't know what was going on. We didn't see any plane. We didn't see a plane hit the tower. Uh, we turned on the TV, heard that it was a small plane. We were still wondering, what what the heck? It's a beautiful day. This makes no sense. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, right over our right-hand shoulder, the second plane came and went over our shoulders, went right in front of us, turned, and went into the South Tower. 
And we were, again, so close that the impact of that plane hitting the South Tower actually blew us back into our apartment, and it knocked me out on our living room floor. Now, a a, a good a good news for, uh, for 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 us is that we had kept our terrace doors open, so I think we would have been hurt a lot more if we had um, been blown into those glass uh, doors. And so, yeah. but I just remember waking up. My husband was yelling and screaming. And by the way, he's done the math and realized that that second plane came only 500 feet above us, which is a Jeez. very close proximity to a plane that was trying to achieve the speed of sound, which you might have yeah. heard of. So we grabbed our dog, ran down the 24 flights, got outside, and I realized I'm barefoot. I have my pajamas on. We tried to get back into the apartment so I could get dressed. They wouldn't let us in. They said evacuation only. So we walked to a nearby Battery Park, which is a 25-acre park at the very tip of Manhattan. A lot of people are familiar with that park because that's where people get the fairies to go to the Statue of Liberty. That's obviously a very popular thing to do. And it was there when the two towers came down. And if they had fallen lengthwise, it would have hit us for sure in the park because it was so close. But instead, we were, we were completely covered with debris, couldn't breathe. Um, dust was everywhere. We couldn't see 10 feet um, you know, in any radius around ourselves. And that's where my husband and I said goodbye to each other. We figured, you know, any worse than this and we're not going to be able to survive this. It's already bad enough and we weren't sure we were going to survive even then. Wow. But we, you know, we were, we were newlyweds. I remember thinking, I'm, 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 I'm in my early 30s. Like, how did this even, my life is about to be over? What, what is that all about? And I was also feeling very alone. I mean, there was a couple of thousand of us in that park trying to run around and find a place to breathe and, and screaming and crying and, and praying to whatever God, we, whatever faith that we, we had ever heard of. But, um, you know, I just remember thinking, wow, I don't, this is, that's all there was? That life was so short and I had all these dreams and plans and none of that was doing me any good now. And wow. um, I don't even know where I'm going, you know, if, if I die. Where, where does someone go? Um, especially if you don't have faith. And it was, it was a very sad and lonely time, even though I was surrounded by several thousand people. So um, um, unbeknownst to us, the Coast Guard had issued a radio call asking for boat owners, boat operators, to come pick up people in Manhattan, knowing that we were still in danger and, and, and still um, uh, our lives were still being threatened. So we boarded a boat, not realizing we were part of the largest boat evacuation in history. We just, <laughs> we didn't care. We just wanted to get on some boat and get off, get off the island and get to yeah. safety. And uh, that started a kind of a homeless journey. We weren't able to get back into our home for, for um, a couple of weeks after that. And that was its own journey and its own discombobulating time and something I'd never experienced before. Our dog um, hovered between life and death. He had wow. uh, licked his fur, which, you know, you, we know now that the debris covering us was deadly and toxic and wow. filled with glass and wood, and it shredded his insides, and we were upset over that. And my husband graduated from Clemson University, and he was involved in a fraternity there, and one of his fraternity brothers had died in 9-11, and he was very close to him, and that was another blow. And it was kind of like blow after blow. I, I just felt like it kind of went on and on for us. You know, here yeah. we were, and just starting out in life and here we are homeless and 
Mm-hmm. Um, my husband's friend had died. Our dog is dying. The city was in shock, and uh, we thought we'd lost everything. And, and to tell you the truth, there was uh, we were we, we were suffering from PTSD pretty pretty quickly after yeah. after the fact and after after the attacks. And uh, I'd never experienced that before, and didn't even know what it was. And I just never thought things would get right again. And we were just in deep mourning and just had nowhere to turn. It was, it was a very bleak and dark time. And, um, and it, it went on and on. And it was a church that, to tell you the truth, kind of came to our rescue. It was an outreach program that was handing out money. And a friend of mine advised me to go. I bought, brought our very expensive, very, uh, uh, very large vet bill. Um, keeping our dog alive to this church who I, again, heard that they were um, handing out money for people like us. Wow. Swallowed my pride and did that. And um, they were just so lovely and, and, and wonderful. And I, I, my, my interest was piqued of who are these people and who are, who are people giving this church money? What, what do they have that special? And wow. those people who, who write, wrote me this check were amazing and wonderful. And so we started going to church there. And not because we felt obligated because of that check, just because yeah. I felt that I want what they have. You know, we were the product of really an outreach program. And, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, that started us on a whole other journey. And again, all of everything that's in our lives now, all of our roads, every single one lead back to, to that time period and that yeah. church and that outreach program and, and the attacks and um, put us on a whole new course um, so that's kind of the, the long and short of it. There's obviously a lot in between, but that right. is that's the gist of, of, of our story there. Wow. Wow. Let's see if we can unpack a little bit of the in between, you know, that, I mean, what a, what a cataclysmic moment for not only for our, our nation, but also for you guys in your own personal life. And, you know, I can't, I, I can't even fathom what it's like to, to try to put your own personal life back together as the nation, especially as the city of New York is trying to put its life back together, so to speak. Um, On on what level, you know, I know you said that in in that moment at Battery Park, you were feeling so isolated and so alone, but was there a certain level of feeling kind of uh, solidarity with others or did it continue to feel like you were alone? Did it, was it, did it just feel isolating over the weeks following? There was no, well, on, on the immediate day, there wasn't solidarity. Everybody right. was was um, in it for themselves, meaning um, it's almost like your your own inner alarm survival mode kicked yeah. in and you were just trying to make it through and not die. Mm-hmm. So everybody was kind of locked in their own hell. Even my husband and I, I mean, we, we were trying to deal with this definitely as a unit. And I was very, very thankful to be with him. A lot of all of those people. Yeah that surrounded us were without their loved ones. And I just remember thinking, this is, this is bad enough. And, and to not, to be dealing with this without your cell phone working, you can't even call somebody to tell right. them goodbye or what's even happening to us. You know, God, everything was happening to us and we had no idea what was going on. Right. People who right. were watching the TV knew a lot more than what we did. Yeah. So, but I, I would say that in the aftermath, for sure, people felt solidarity. People felt collectively shocked in anger and and in mourning. And so that was that was definitely part of the healing. And I detail that in my book that I got a lot of healing from the New York community. It was just, you know, one collective funeral for for a long time after that. But it was the Christian community 
that that in the long run is what was, I guess, ultimately the most healing, the most mm. um, um, that that did our hearts good, that pointed wow. to Jesus, that pointed us to, you know, what. Uh, trying to make sense of the evil that we yeah. had experienced in the world, because it was it was hard to unpack that sense of of evil. And uh, wow, if this is what the world's all about, I'm not I'm not even sure I really want to be here anymore. If that's that's really what things are, it just so had affected our worldview. But it was the church that kind of brought us back to you know what is God's worldview, and mm. and that ultimately proved to be the most healing um, in nature. It was lovely to to mourn with the, the other New Yorkers, but there's nothing like understanding the the sovereignty of God to get you through a, 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 a tough time. Yeah. Hey friend, I'm wondering if you or someone you know has been impacted by the loss of a loved one by suicide. We know how confusing, shocking, and painful any loss can be, but especially when it comes in such a tragic, sudden, and oftentimes surprising way. This is why we want to invite you to join us on Thursday, September 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for our upcoming masterclass, Surviving the Unthinkable, Finding God in the Aftermath of Suicide, with our very own Nothing is Wasted certified coach, Brooke Talley. Now, if you haven't heard Brooke's story, you need to go and listen to my conversation with her in episode 181, where she describes the heartache she experienced in losing her husband to suicide, and also the hope she's found in Christ since then. And I'm telling you, if you've not met Brooke or heard her, she is a woman that exudes hope. In this upcoming masterclass, Brooke's going to talk with us about how to untangle common emotional experiences like shock shame and guilt in the aftermath of suicide, how to embrace mystery with a childlike faith. Uh, we're going to talk about the cost of forgiveness and also the necessity of it. And, and, and she's going to talk about naming the truth of God's character in dark spaces and so much more. You're not going to want to miss this masterclass. If you or someone you love have been impacted by suicide, you need to be a part of this important conversation by simply signing up at nothingiswasted.com slash Masterclass. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass. Once you register, you'll receive an email that will tell you exactly how to join the live event on September 15th. Now, if you can't make it live and you want to catch the replay, all of our Masterclass replays are available exclusively to our Community Plus members for just $20 a month or $200 a year. There on Community Plus, you can access all of our Nothing is Wasted content library, including past masterclasses, curated pathways, live coaching replays, bonus episodes, and more. I especially like our many courses that we offer there on Community Plus. So in order to join Community Plus, go to nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, both the masterclass link and the Community Plus link will be here in the show notes. You can easily access both of those from the show notes. We wish you never had to experience the pain of losing someone you love to suicide. But we know that even in the depths of that pain, you can partner with God to take back your story and you can experience healing and hope. I really hope you'll join us, join Brooke on September 15th for this really 
special, special event. Can you just kind of talk through that a little bit for us? You know, someone's listening to this and and maybe they're new to faith or maybe they, maybe they're like you were at that point where they're like, you know, I'm just somebody uh, suggested this podcast because I'm going through a really tough time, but I don't even know what I believe. I don't know if I believe that there is a God. You're saying that it was the, it was the church and a Christian worldview that began to help you form a perspective of what you had walked through and ultimately help you heal through this trauma. What, what was that perspective shift that had to happen? For you, what what did the church kind of explain and infuse into your heart there? Well, for one thing, I mean, when the healing process started, when I went to the church to solicit money, and yeah. when I sat down, I was I had a chip on my shoulder because I was thinking, so I don't even know why I'm here. Are they going to give me a big plug for church attendance? Am I going <laughs> to have to come back with receipts? Am <laughs> I going to like what? What's in it for them? What's their right. agenda? And I just remember I sat down again, big chip on my shoulder, and they, the two ladies who were there interviewing me said, you know, tell us anything that you want to tell us, or don't tell us anything that makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, we just want to hear from you. We want to hear what you want to tell us. And of course, I, ha- I was thinking, I'm not going to tell strangers my stuff. I haven't even talked to my mother really about this. It's too painful to, to talk about. But their demeanor was so healing and beautiful and loving and wonderful that, of course, I just kind of, you know, vomited everything and and told them everything that was on my heart. And their reaction was just um, was 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 just so soothing and wonderful. And now I, I realize it was they were doing something called bearing witness. All bearing witness is is really deeply listening to somebody, empathizing them on a with a in a very deep way, which is the only thing that I needed. You know, sometimes when you're going through pain and suffering, you just want somebody to listen to you without having anything to interject or agenda or anything to say. And that's what these ladies did, and they produced a check very quickly. And it just really interested me of of. Um, Wow, I need. Uh, there was peace in that place. I have no peace whatsoever. I, I really never have. And so uh, again, we just started going to church there. And I remember there was a service right after nine eleven where Tim gave kind of a famous sermon. I remember what he said. And and here's the thing: whenever we're going through pain and suffering, different things reach different people. So what I'm about to say might not reach somebody else in their level of pain, but it did me. And 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 if it doesn't, you know, if if uh, me quoting Tim is isn't isn't something that's that's healing to you, you know, keep reaching out because again. Uh, we all have to go through our own process and different things reach us at different points. But Tim said something um, along the lines of, we don't know the reason that God allows evil and suffering to continue. But we, we know what the reason isn't, and we know what the reason can't be. It can't be because He doesn't love us. It can't be that He doesn't care. And why? Because He got involved with His Son. Christianity alone tells us that God lost his son in an unjust attack, meaning um, the unjust attack, meaning 9-11. That did something to me at that particular time. And, and again, when, the, when it comes to the sovereignty of God, I mean, there's this, there's this verse in John 16, It says, take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, when it, when it comes to uh, pain and suffering, that's when you realize you don't have any control. 
right? I think we all think that we we entertain ourselves and thinking that we have some level of control. Right. But for the most part, we don't. And it, it, it's a real slap in the face to realize that, um, wow, you know, things happen and yeah. we can plan and we can... You know, uh, but but um, you know, but it's God who has sovereignty over the world, and that's who we can um, you know cast our cares on. That's who's got control, and and better better God than me. And and I'm gonna hitch my ride with with God, the person who who, who the entity who does have things in control. Especially again, when you realize that you don't, and that that's yeah. a tough day when you when you figure that out. Yeah, yeah. I love Christina that you even prefaced that, you know, where you said, Hey, this is the moment that really God reached into my heart and it kind of shifted things for me was when, you know, pastor Timothy Keller said this, but this may not be your experience. I might read this and it might not be something that just like, wow, that was a, an awestruck moment for it me. It may sound cliche-ish or just, might, not, yeah, yeah, I exactly. get it. And that's what I love about God is that he's so personal, you know, he is a very experiential God. And yes, it with truth, the truth of God's word, scripture, it guides us and it holds, it keeps us grounded and founded in what, you know, truth is, but God comes to us and meets us personally. And, and, and that's how we, that, that's how we begin to heal from trauma. And he does it often through, as you stated, the church, people, the body of Christ who embody um, the, the, the love and the care and the compassion of Jesus I mean, there was nothing other than the Holy Spirit all over these two women that, you know, uh, evoked you to start to share everything with them. It was, it was the way that they did it and, it, and and they didn't manufacture that. It was just Jesus in them, right? Yeah, right, right, and, right, right. And that's what is so profound and amazing about how God meets us in the midst of our pain and suffering is he meets us experientially and then he'll bring us to the places of these profound truths that shift our perspective. You know, when I became the director of missions at my church at, at Redeemer, I I am one thing that I instituted was that when we would go on a mission trip, we would t we, every person would tell their testimony mm. because the testimony is is essentially a changed heart, and we yeah. all come from different backgrounds, different places, a lot of things that we can't relate to each other necessarily, but one thing that we can all relate to is is the understanding that. That when you come to Christ, you 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 got there um, in a firsthand account. You didn't uh, that that you, everybody has a story, and every story is interesting. My story happens to have a backdrop of 9/11, but that doesn't make it more significant than anybody else's story. And I read this interesting uh, definition of a testimony. I'm just going to read it now. It's your testimony is significant because it's the personal miracle of how God transformed your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And only you can uniquely bear witness to that miracle. God has been behind every detail of your life, even using the ugly and terrible things to form and shape you with utmost care and attention. And He's still working on you now. And that's the great thing, is our stories are never done. Our stories are are changing and, and, and growing. And, and I like to think that you know, I'm growing in wisdom, you know, as I get older and, and, and my walk with Christ becomes, um, you know, just, just more, more effortless and, and, and easy. And, um, just that, that relationship, it just grows and morphs as, as you get older, you were just, our stories aren't done yeah. and, and it's, it's not meant to be done until, until, until we pass. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, and when it comes to people who are who are in the midst of suffering, that's why I say keep reaching out, keep keep reading, keep praying, because God is going to 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 find something to speak to you, whether it's through a book, or through a person, or through a church sermon. But um, you will get that comfort. I mean, that's um, God will bring somebody along your path that uh, uh, or or a book that is going to speak to your heart. Yeah, that's so great. <clears throat> You know, Christina, we um, we talk often about we 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 use the word trauma now, but back in two thousand one, when all of this was happening, trauma was not a word that was in vogue. It was not one that certainly the church didn't talk about a whole lot. Um, society wasn't really talking about a whole lot in terms of mental health or little t trauma, compounding childhood trauma, that kind of stuff. The way that we talk about it now, um, and so you know, people are a lot more. Uh, apt to open up and talk about trauma, but you know, you, you, you said that you were experiencing PTSD because what you guys experienced this like, uh, actual physical trauma that, you know, it, it, it was a, it was an actual survivorship that was taking place right there. You know, in that mm-hmm. moment you were, you really were afraid for your life. And that is historically what we have termed as trauma you know, and, and what we have kind of put a stamp of PTSD on. I'm curious about your, um, kind of your healing process through that. You know, if you can mark a time where you feel like, okay, I wasn't experiencing the same kind of, uh, post-traumatic stress triggers, you know, as we, as we define it. Um, and, and, and what level, to what degree faith played a part of that, you know, your time at Redeemer, your time with the Lord and, you know, did you see counseling or like, how, how was that process? You know, walk that process with me because I think it will help to shape our perspective when we talk about, and we look at our, all of our own trauma, so to speak, you know, especially over the past couple of years, as we've all kind of endured this global crisis, um, in, in, in COVID-19, you know, I'd love to hear just kind of your experience with PTSD. So right after, immediately after the attacks happened, uh, the sh- the shock of of what had just taken place you know, hit us, and my husband and I had this interesting uh, different reactions. I literally could not sleep, mm. and I was a manic, crazy person. I walked maniacally all mm. over town, couldn't sleep a wink. My husband was rarely awake. He slept twenty for 24-7 for the most part. Wow. I was speaking very quickly, and I I was literally like you know, just shooting to the moon. I was just had so much energy and couldn't shut my mind off, couldn't, um, couldn't calm down, couldn't relax. And so we had uh, kind of, again, locked in our own kind of private hell. I'd have horrible, horrible nightmares. I also had a real angry streak. If uh, people couldn't say the right things to me, so to speak. So if people called me, if, if they emailed me, it, I, I was r- r- reading between the lines way more than what, what people intended to do. Um, uh, I remember somebody saying, well, you know, at least you didn't die. At least you're still here. And I, and I just remember thinking, you know, that just shot me to the moon. I was so mad, you know, yeah. and um, there, there was a fair amount of, of people not understanding that, right. um we were very close and what our situation had been. I think there was a misperception at the time that 
that the only people who had suffered were people, let's say, within the World Trade Center 16-acre complex or within yeah. those two towers. And, you know, Manhattan's tiny. There was, there's, there, there was a huge radius of destruction. Yeah. And so I just I felt that, uh, I felt isolated. And I, I got to where I didn't answer emails anymore. I didn't pick up the phone. And I just became more, which is not, not good for me. I'm a social person. And to isolate myself was very unnatural. And, and it, it, it impeded any healing that I, that I needed. Uh, eventually, uh, my, husband after, uh, my husband and I, after not being able to work, we really couldn't, uh, we couldn't work. We couldn't do much of anything. We, we did both to go to a Christian counselor specifically who, who was able to break down what, uh, what, what, what was happening to ourselves. I mean, there was a, where there was a point where, where, uh, we came to the end of ourselves and, and couldn't figure it out and things weren't getting better. And when, when the counselor had told us that we had PTSD, I, I felt kind of like a, like a fool. I thought, well, there's, there's almost 3000 people who died and I can't point to any, anything on my body that would show, um, you know, f- physical harm and what's wrong with me, what a wimp I am. Uh, I thought PTSD only happened to war vets, so to speak. And, right. um, and then meanwhile, we were out when we were out of our apartment, was going to the Salvation Army and Goodwill and getting toiletries and food and clothing. And that was kind of a blow to my pride, to tell you the truth. I'd always been that person who who gave those things, who, who gave donations, and certainly not that person who accepts it. And so right. there was just such a huge shift in my perception of myself and the world. And um, again, being out of control uh, was... was um, a foreign thought to me. So I had to come to the end and realized um, I'm not getting any, any better. And um, we physically left New York for several months because it was, it was hard to try to recover in the physical space um, where we were. So we got out of town. We started seeing counseling. We were able to get out of the environment, which is what we needed at the time. And so we did a couple of things that put us on on, on, on a better road and, and a road to recovery. But when we got on that road is when we started going to church, which kind of solidified the direction yeah. we were going in. And and um, But I really don't think that we would have recovered in the way that we did if it weren't for the Christian community who really did just embrace us and move us to a whole new level and to um, point to Christ and to help us establish a relationship with Christ. So it was really, it was Christians who came alongside who who helped move us in, in, in the right direction uh, with Christ yeah. is not the church as the end-all be-all, but Christ is the, is the end-all be-all. So it was wow. a series of people and entities that God put in our path to move us in the right direction, but can't give any any I can't get any credit for for anything. It was it was all God putting the right people in in the in, in our paths that that moved yeah. us in the in the right direction. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I mean, what trauma does is, and we've talked about this quite a bit, is that it shuts down the the decision-making part of your brain, right? It begins to uh, cause you to see everything in a little bit of a skewed perspective because your brain is switched over to that limbic system, the fight or flight or freeze mode. And, and, and I love what you said that for you guys, it was very necessary for you to get out of that situation for a little while so that your entire, your brain, your body, everything could just down regulate and you could begin to to realize a reality of, Hey, I'm safe again. I'm okay. I'm safe. 
right? Because you may be able to tell yourself that, but your, your body doesn't feel safe. And, right, right. and then what was even, what's even cooler about that is that this faith community comes alongside of you and they're sharing with you the love and the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and, and, um, and where our true quote unquote safety lies. Right. right? right. And, and, right. and now you're able to, your, your brain is really able to heal because of, you know, that, that, um, that experience with God's people. Um, it's just, that's marvelous. It's unbelievable. And that's what we're right. continually trying to help people understand. It's like, you know, yes, you need to get some really good counseling, maybe, maybe some good coaching as well. And then you need to have a good, strong, safe faith community around you. Jesus people who are going to walk right. beside you because this is how Jesus helps to rewire our brains is by showing us there's, there's a different experience. There's a different kind of family, a very peculiar family that's going to walk beside you um, and, and, and see you through this valley. And it's amazing to watch God use people mm-hmm. to deliver his messages. Uh, you know, I, as a, the missions director at our church, we would um, take teams um, around the world um, to disaster areas or just in general to people who are suffering. And I'd often hear as I was recruiting for those teams, I don't have anything to offer. I didn't go to seminary. I, I, I don't, um, I'm not used to talking to people about, about Jesus and I don't have any hobbies or skills that would prove useful. And I'd be like, absolutely not. Uh, you, you need to go on this trip and God uses everybody and everything. And, and I would watch it. I would watch a team of 20 people, very disparate people. And we would go to, let's say an orphanage or again, after a disaster, uh, do, do, uh, after a disaster happened, we would, we would, help in the aftermath, and different people who had been through a lot, who had been through trauma, would kind of pair off and with with different um, of our teammates, and, and it was amazing. I always looked at it as, as God was using everybody, and right. to uh, that only uniquely you, or uniquely um, this particular person could say something to uh, that would soothe the, the, uh, the troubled soul of somebody else, and it was always amazing to me how... God can use anybody and anything to point yeah. to him. And we don't have to yeah, have, have uh, taken apologetics or gone to seminary right. or have memorized the entirety of Psalms. It's, it's um, um, you know, if, as long as we're just available to be That's used it. by God is, is when God is going to use us to be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Well, you know, Christina, you haven't just endured um, a personal brush with one national crisis, but with two, um, you had a very personal experience with COVID-19 as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, and they are related. So, you know, our health has been compromised ever since 9-11. We inhaled the, the toxic, deadly dust. And, you know, you might know that we've just cross the threshold of, of there's been more people to die of cancers related to the inhalation of the toxic dust that, um, that wow. occurred that day that, that, um, that, that kind of took root in people's bodies and formed yeah. cancers 
um, uh, latently um, that came out later. And so more people have died since 9-11 than people that, who died on that day. But it's all 9-11 wow. related. It just took a while, again, for bodies to yeah. break down, you know, because of that deadly dust. So our health has, has definitely um, <clears throat> been compromised. We're still here. I'm still very grateful for that. It's just a reality. And wow. so we started hearing with this deadly disease, January, February, March 2020, that, hey, if you uh, survive 9-11, that this might be... Yeah, a deadly disease for you. This You might have a, a very bad case of it. Wow. Uh, we're a member of something called the World Trade Center Health Registry, which is kind of like a club that we didn't ask to join. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just, uh, it's, a, it's a monitoring entity that monitors us who, um, again, whose health has been compromised. And so yeah. we started getting updates saying, watch out, be especially careful. Um, and so my husband and I actually decided to, um, to to leave the city with with um, those notifications in mind, but yeah. we didn't leave it quick enough. We, we did end up get, um, getting it um, and um, mid-March, we were some of the early cases, I guess you'd say, in March yeah. 2020. I was hospitalized twice and um, told that I had a 50 50-50 chance of surviving it. And and it was really a, definitely a fight for my life. My body, there, there, there are key times I have this in hindsight of realizing that um, uh, my body was deciding whether it was going to give in to this disease. And it was, it was a nail biter. And I was aware of that then and even more so now. But I remember when I was quarantined in the hospital and I wasn't surrounded by the thousands of people at 9-11. I couldn't turn on the TV whenever I would watch. There was, there was, there was coverage about, about the right. COVID going on on every channel. I noticed when I started watching TV, I started getting worse. Oh, Same wow. thing with, with social media. There was yeah. people were sharing and resharing stories of, of the 50 priests in Italy who died and this and this. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, if, why would I be spared? And I, I just know whenever I, I started um, listening to the noise, my health would get steadily worse. It was already pretty precarious. So it was just me and God, just me and the Holy Spirit. Um, couldn't see anybody. Even the nurses didn't want to see me. It was so scary for them. But at the same time, I, I couldn't have been I couldn't. I didn't feel like I was in any better hands than just being with the Holy Spirit. In fact, I was very happy to have that time alone with the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to infect anybody else. I wanted to be away from the general population. I wasn't um, angry that my husband couldn't come visit me. I wanted him to stay away because I knew that um, that it was only it was I was only bad news to be around people. And the only the only the only thing I needed then anyway was the Holy Spirit. And but facing that calamity was just a whole different experience than facing 9-11 when I had no faith. Yeah. Facing COVID, a very scary, felt like an alien had invaded your body and was trying to kill you. Mm. That um, I had the Holy Spirit and I was so um, I was so happy to to have that resource and to have that source of help that um it was just a whole whole different thing, you know, wow. facing the calamity with Christ and one without Christ. Wow. So I did I did survive that. I I it, it did take a toll. I still have something called you know, long haul. If you've ever if you've heard of that term, long haul syndrome. Yep, yep. But still, just very glad that God has me on this earth for however much longer that he that he has me, and um, glad that my family. Um, there were five of us sick in, in a house at one point. 
Um, but everybody survived it. And um, so, but yes, I, I detail in that, that book of, as a Christian, you know, kind of some lessons that I learned through that about, again, about the Christian community and how important it is living in community and relying on other people and that we should never get so uh, independent that we are not relying on on others as as the Bible tells us to. Um, talks volumes about about living in Christian community with other Christians and and the importance of gratitude and um, and faith and prayer. Prayer was huge to me. It's, it's, I'm that personality type who I just I get up and do and praying is 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 definitely a discipline because it's hard hard for me to kind of get quiet. I'd rather not be quiet. I'd rather be doing something. Yeah. Um, but prayer was, you know, it was all I had and it was all I needed at the time. Mm. You, you know, you say something really interesting that, that COVID taught you how important Christian community is. Um, and yet that was a season for, I mean, uh, we're just now emerging in many places from that, right? We're just now think uh, in a lot of different areas of our country, just going back to church, just having like restrictions completely lifted, travel restrictions lifted. Um, it was a season that everybody felt more isolated than they've ever felt before. Uh, they felt a lack of community more than they've ever felt before. Um, how, how can you, can you talk to me about what, what you learned, what you experienced in, you know, if, if you were commentating on this back in like January of 2020 and you're like forecasting and you're about to tell people, Hey, we're about to go into this crazy season. Let me tell you what you need to do because community is so important, right? When everything else, everybody else is telling us we've got to isolate, we've got to get away from each other, we've got to quarantine, we've got it right. And, and I'm not saying that that is all that bad because to your point, you 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 just said I, I wanted to be away from everybody else, you know, and I was happy to have just me and the Holy Spirit. And yet also you said community was so important for you as well. Can you reconcile those? You know, help us understand. When, when we face something else that's going to threaten our sense of community, because we probably will, how yeah. do we lock arms and be community as a church family together? Well, I'm going to mention the prayer first. I, as soon as I found out that I had COVID, I put it all over my social media. Mm. I spent three hours making an email list of telling people to pray for me. I knew this was going to be a fight. I knew it right from the get-go that this, wow. is, this is going to be the fight for my life. And I know people were blessed to be a blessing by praying for me. And we shouldn't deny people that. I, I'm amazed that people who don't share that they're sick or don't share. And listen, I, I know we all have different personalities that comes into play when it comes to sickness. People are more private than others. But don't deny people the opportunity to be a blessing. People wanted to pray for me. They did. And I, I wanted them to. I, again, um, you know, we, we, all, we all need to rely on each other. And there were times when I was so really kind of out of consciousness. I was really in and out that I needed, and you know, there's a, there's a passage in the Bible that says, you know, the, the Holy Spirit um, knows what you yeah. need when you need it, even when you don't. And, and I didn't at times because, again, I was in and out of consciousness. Oftentimes, right. I needed those people interceding from me when I just was out of my head. And I wanted that. And I want to pray for others. when, when it's, it's not a, ooh, you know, that, you know, that quintessential, uh, that person's sick or not doing well for, for, for a fodder for gossip. It literally yeah. is a blessing to pray for others. And then meanwhile, in March 2020, 
You can understand that that uh, deliveries weren't happening. Uh, people had left their positions who who would normally do delivery. We couldn't get to the CVS or pharmacy. Uh, even if we did, pharmacies yeah. were out of Tylenol and toilet paper and thermometers. And so we were caught. And, and by the way, we were not in New York um, when we were fighting the COVID battle. We were actually in Central Florida. That we were caught without a lot of things that we literally needed to, to, to fight the virus. Tylenol, a, a basic a, a pulse oximeter, which was, which was um, very helpful, especially since mine was all over the place. And that was an indication of when I needed to go to the hospital is when it was particularly low. Right. So um, I basically put out a call that I needed these products and people went out shopping for me, people who I hadn't seen since college. Wow. I'm 52 years old. It's been a while since I've been in college, right? Wow. You just were Facebook friends. They went out, they would buy these things. They would leave it at the edge of the lawn and put wow. it there and, and get in their cars and drive off. There was a local church who made my family uh, food, who made our family. And there was nobody who was who was well enough to cook. Yeah. They would, again, leave it on that lawn and we'd get out there before the ants got it. Um, my husband even uh, had a birthday while we were all sick with COVID. Wow. Wouldn't you know that somebody brought a, a cake saying happy birthday, Brian, with their masks on, probably 15 feet away. They sang a happy birthday, rousing happy birthday to my husband with the cake. They lit the candle themselves, blew it out, <laughs> and then put it on the lawn and, and, and shot. I could, I could see the... The the uh, the dirt as it <laughs> spewed uh. behind them as they 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 ran off from us. <laughs> but the 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 fact is is people cared for us and we needed yeah. caring for. And and it's funny in this day and age we don't even think in those terms. We think in terms of deliveries or I've got this or I can do that mm. or I can just go online and get this. Well, guess what? That went out the door. Yeah. You know, back in those early days. And we again ghetto style, old school style had to rely on people. And it was. It it was uh, flesh and blood people. And it was yeah. a reminder that we can't, we're not so advanced yeah, that we don't right. need each other. We should yeah. never get so advanced. We were not meant to live that way, especially for Christians. Mm. We're meant to be with each other as accountability partners, as help through life suffering, as uh, bridges to, to point to Christ when we need to hear it. It's, right. We were meant to live in that, in that kind of community. Wow. That's so good. That's so, you know, I feel like in Western culture, no, I know that in Western culture, we are so individualistic that it is counter to the the, the biblical way of life, to the Jesus yes, way of life. Yes, it really is. It really, really is. Because again, when I, I'd, I'd see these folks who were going through COVID and, and, and they were like, well, I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to do like you. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to ask people to pray. I'm like, but why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, we're, we're meant to, we're supposed to. And I'd always try to, you know, show grace because, again, there are some people who are simply so private, but we're just meant to to be, we're connected to each other. If you say that we're a Christian, you are my brother. Yeah. You, you're my yeah. brother. You know, I, that's another mystery of Christ. I'd go around right. the world, go to South Africa, go to visit the Zulu community, a very different culture. If, if, but if, if we are all Christians, we are brother and sister. And that's simply what we are. We're part of each other's family. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of family that God intended. He makes that very clear in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, I have a suspicion. I don't know what you would call it. Maybe suspicion, maybe just kind of a a thought that in the in the next couple of decades, 
we're going to see other crises happen in our country where it's going to be imperative for the church to model what it looks like to be community. Yeah. Because I, I think that is one of the biggest ways that Jesus wants to reveal himself here on this on this earth, you know, and, it, and scripture says that it's through the church that the manifest wisdom of God, manifold wisdom of God is made known to the world. And I think that community, the way that we care for one another, the way we lock arms with one another, the way that we endure uh, tragedy together, the way that we walk through suffering together, the way that we exhort each other, that's going to be a, a huge demonstration of who Jesus is, what yes. the gospel is all about. And it's not just Christians to Christian. You know, when it comes to the, the parable of the Good Samaritan in the Bible, the whole thing about that that really sticks out to me is that uh, the Good Samaritan helped somebody of another religion and another race. That's right. That's right. And so, for instance, my church is is helping uh, recent refugees, Afghan refugees, and yeah. soon there will be Ukrainian refugees, right. whether they're the same religion and they're not. They're uh, but they're Muslim and mm -hmm. and but. The Bible says, go and do likewise. Right. We are to help each other, you know, whether they're, we're the same color, the same nationality, the same religion, because that's what God mandates us to do. That's and so um, I was talking with a refugee yesterday. I actually helped um, set up an appointment, doctor's appointment with his wife, and they don't have cars. So I, I was arranging transportation. Yeah. And uh, he wrote me back after the doctor visit just to say, I loved who, um, thank you so much for this wonderful woman who took us to the doctor. And I said, yes, that's my friend from church. And I and um, she loved meeting you too. And he said, you know, you church people are all nice, all those people I met. And a lot of, <laughs> of, of people I noticed from Afghanistan are, are, are saying that they never knowingly met a Christian before. Wow. And, and here's the thing, you know, were the hands and feet? Um, that's yeah. that's what he remembers is the Christians who took care of us when we came um, uh, um, kicking and screaming from our own countries because they didn't want to leave Afghanistan. They love it there. Wow. They miss it there. And, and, and we're there to help. We're there to show hospitality, whether they're Christians or not. And that's another thing that I love about the Bible is, is that um, for some people, it's counterintuitive to help those right. who are not like ourselves. But God says, go and do likewise. Right. You know? right. This is the message all throughout Scripture. Right? Yes. Is look after the, the alien, orphan, and widow, the outcasts, the marginalized, the oppressed, yes. the people who are not brought into the fold of society naturally, you yes. know, and, and this is what our role is to, 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 to be the hands and feet of Jesus, as you've said, in these situations and outside of these situations. I mean, the, uh, your story is a testimony of that. You were a quote unquote refugee in the midst of this 9-11 yes. crisis, yes. and you come to a church essentially just responding to a handout in some ways, yeah. right? I'm the product of a handout. And, and, the, and it was, it was something about these two women that drew you to Christ. And, um, and this is exactly what we're called to be as believers, both for each other, as well as for the outsider. We're called to have this radical hospitality that, uh, image bears Christ and that's the greatest form of evangelism that we can have. And in these national crises, this is a ripe opportunity. The harvest field is ripe in these moments for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus all the more. Right, right. You know, it's interesting because somebody was talking to me again about the refugees saying, hey, uh, you know, we don't want to create dependence here. You know, mm. where, where do we show boundaries? And I said, well, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I know that, that a popular thought is, 
um, teach people how to fish and not give them a fish and a hand up instead of a handout. But yet, you know, I have to look at myself and say, I am the product of a handout. I wasn't given necessarily a hand up. The handout ended up being a hand up. Yep. But, um, and, and that's what turned me to Christ. And we're all in different places where, where we're going to respond to different things. And yes, some people might take advantage every once in a while. And yes, there might be that person whose boundaries gets all out of whack. But there's also those people who it's going to speak to them at that time, at that that's moment, right. that person in that way. And we can't uh, be arrested and, and not help because yeah. we're worried about uh, codependence and boundary issues. I mean, certainly, I'll, I'm, I'm also you know, let me preface that and say, yes, I mean, we, boundaries are, 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 are very important, but don't let that get to where so, so important that you're not reaching out to help because you're worried that you're going to hurt, you know? And, and so, so the worry about hurting is going to, is going to keep you from helping. Now that's, that gets into another, another area. And what I hear the Bible saying is, is help. Is, yeah. is help and right. um, some people it's gonna and, and those right people is it's going to point to Christ and it's gonna start them on a whole new road just like it did me yeah that's so good if we're gonna make an error let's make an error on the side of generosity on hospitality yes. on you Instead know I don't want to stand in, yeah, yeah exactly I don't want to stand in front of Jesus one day and he's like yep hey I was that's I was I'm trying at. to prompt you to be generous and to love and to be hospitable and you were stingy with your life you you hoarded your time you hoarded your energy and that's, that's not the conversation I want to have with Jesus, you know? And so I think right. it's really important right. for us to, to right. err on that. I was afraid side. that I was going to, I was, gonna, I was afraid they were going to take advantage of me. I was yeah. afraid of boundaries. I was afraid I was going to, uh, in the long term, hurt them. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's something in, uh, I guess, in social work called development as right. opposed to disaster relief. And yes, I, I get all that. And, and they're, they're, sometimes I feel like those are bigger minds than me. If yeah. somebody needs something and, um, and, and the Holy Spirit's leading me to give it and I'm pointing to Christ in the, in, in, yeah. in the process, then that, that's what God asks of me. Yeah. That's great. Christina, I just love your perspective. I mean, I'm so grateful that the Lord has brought you through these particular two world crises, um, you know, both personally and so that you can observe and kind of shed light on the things that God taught you through this so that we can have a, a good perspective of God, of the world, of ourselves. You know, that's one of the things we talk about a lot at Nothing Is Wasted and the Pain to Purpose course. We talk about how trauma can tend to skew our perspective of God our perspective of ourselves and our perspective of the world and that scripture, truth, the Holy spirit right sizes that, that perspective tells us who God really is, tells us who we are in light of who God really is and tells us what this world is and what we're going to experience. I mean, Jesus said it in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world and you are a testimony of that. Christina, I'm so grateful for, uh, you just bearing witness uh, to your story and to God's faithfulness today. I want to make sure every single listener picks up out of the shadow of 9-11 and faith in the face of COVID-19, uh, a survivor's tale. You're going to, we're going to put those in the show notes. You're going to glean so much from Christina's wisdom as she's walked through um, both of these situations and the, the, other, the other things that she's walked through in life. Christina, where can we follow you? Where can we learn more about you, hear more from you? I don't know if you're on, if you're on the socials or what, you know, where, where can we tune in a little bit more to you? So I have a, a website, ChristinaRayStanton.com, and I, I post there of, of different articles that have come out and, and my goings-on and appearances. And I also have a Facebook group called Christina Ray Stanton Author, 
and and again I post what what's what's happening and what's what's what um what I've written uh, lately. So yeah, can keep up with me um, there. And um, if anybody ever has anything they want to talk with me about or ask me questions, I, I love to hear from folks and and and, and talk with them. I'd like to I'd like to leave leave on 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 one end, especially after what you yeah. just said that um yeah. you know I think when it comes to me and you uh in, in 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 light of things that we've gone through is essentially one of the reasons why why we're here is to is to to pass on our, our wisdom or how God has yeah. has transformed us and I, I read this uh somewhere um that it just shows my heart of, of why I want to talk about uh, things I've been through in life. It says, um, when you've passed through your own fiery trials and found God to be true to what He says, you have real help to offer. You have firsthand experience of both His sustaining grace and His purposeful design. He has kept you through pain. He has reshaped you more into His own image. What you are experiencing from God, you can give away in increasing measure to others. And I just wow. hope that I gave... A, I gave in increasing measure to others because I have found God to be true to what yeah. he says. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing everything that you have today. And you have, you've given us in increasing measure, you've given us so much wisdom that we can glean from and that we can take and, and process through and work through and reflect on. And so thank you so much, Christina, for spending time with us. Thank you. Oh, that was so good, Davey. And I mean, it's interesting to me to think about how her life, like we were saying before, just marked by yeah. really being at the center of these, uh, yeah. you know, crazy tragedies. Right. And simultaneously how God met her there. And, yeah. I, you know, I feel like that story is a microcosm of all of the stories that God right. t is writing in the midst of tragedy. It's right. pretty incredible right. to think about. Well, a couple of things I thought about when I was having that conversation with her, Aubrey, is, you know, you, you and I hear a lot of stories of churches, yeah. church plants that around that time saw a massive influx of people. Yeah, right? that's right. I can trace back some of the larger, more influential churches that have been, you know, in our, in Christendom over the past 15, 20 years that saw a huge part of their growth during 9-11, mm. right? Mm. The fall of 2001, they'll point back, like, it was just, right? Because... People were so interested. They, 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 interested might even be such a shallow term for that. But there were all of these existential questions. Yes. That in times of abundance, in times of blessing, in times of peace, we often don't ask those questions. It's in times of trouble, mm -hmm. in times of trauma, sorrow, that we begin asking these ex existential questions, like you know, the big three questions that everybody's trying to find answers for are, where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? And yeah. so people began to look to faith communities to provide those answers. And so the, this national tragedy, 2001, became, God used it for a huge, huge catalyst of evangelism. Yeah. And I, I think that's important for, for Christians to recognize, too, that... Um, you know, we don't want to say like God caused this so right. that evangelism could happen. That's not no, true. That's no, not good right. theology. This was evil at work. And yet right. what we can see in it is that because God has authority over evil, yes. sovereignty over evil, he can take even the most horrific act and right. bring salvation, redemption, and transformation through his people, the church. That's right. And so this is why I think in 
in COVID or in small, mm. you know, small tragedies like, hey, there's a loss of a child in your town. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, a, Maybe a, a shoot. A school shooting or yeah. mass shooting or something. Yep, yeah. Exactly. It, it's so imperative for the church to step up and show up yeah. with practical needs, emotional support, whatever we right. can do, because God's going to like draw people to himself in those That's seasons. Right. That's right. It, you know, I read something right when COVID hit, I was reading kind of a, and I don't remember the name of the book, but it was like a, a, a history, like a narrative about different major tragedies that had happened throughout history and how mm. the, the motif through the whole thing was the church rushes in. Wow. Right. And, and we've got to remember that as yeah. a body of believers, right? Our generation, Aubrey, you and I, we like, we, those of us who are listening to this, we are the church. Yeah, that's right. It is our responsibility in these major tragedies and the, the micro tragedies in our communities to rush in. Yeah. And we're, we never know just how God's going to use that to turn people's hearts toward him. You know, I, 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 I share this, maybe I've shared it on the podcast before, but it's almost like when a fight breaks out in school, you know, growing up, you see like all of a sudden this fight breaks out in the hallway and everybody's like, <gasps> boom, they snap, yeah. oh, right. And every, <laughs> uh-huh. all attention is on this fight. Uh-huh. And so that that's what happens when tragedy happens in your yeah. life, when tragedy happens in your town, your community, your city, mm-hmm. all attention is on that. What an unbelievable platform that we have as believers to show people how Jesus would step into those situations. Mm, what a model yeah, that we have right. for the gospel. And so I think I'll, I just want to use this to challenge us to be aware of that, eyes up about yeah, that. Great. What are some of the micro tragedies, quote unquote, the injustices that are happening in your community that you you can rush in and you can yeah. just be the hands and feet of Jesus in that situation? That's so good. I heard Gary Haugen, uh, somebody was quoting him recently, and uh, Gary Haugen said he, he's the uh, president founder of IJM International Justice Mission. Yeah, and yeah. He said he stopped asking, where is God? And instead he began asking, where are God's people? Oof. And I think that's that's ultimately what we're saying. Like, if, yep. if, yeah, if people are hurting big scale, small scale in your community, wow. like answer that call. Where are God's people? Like be the be the one who shows yeah, up and you just can, watches you God does like, what he does. You can almost take that question and go, where is the brokenness? Right. Mm. Where is the mess? Where is the hurt? Where mm-hmm. is the, because that's where God's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that where Jesus was? That's where he spent his ministry. So it's right. like, Hey, you're looking that's for right. Jesus. Let, go to, let's go there. Go to where the <laughs> brokenness is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, oh so good. Good for us to remember for sure. Wow. Wow. Um, we are so excited right now because Davey, the community platform and community plus is right. up at nothing is wasted.com yep. slash community. And yeah. you want to tell the people everything we, that I they would. can access? Because this is very exciting. Yeah, we launched Community Plus earlier this year, but mm-hmm. we were having trouble trying to figure out how to help people navigate through yeah. all of the library of content that we have back there. I have so much content over the years we've been able to collect. And so it became frustrating, I think, for us. So our team has been working really hard to make this a lot more seamless for you. One of the ways we're doing that is curated pathways. You've probably heard already us talk about curated right. pathways, but you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways and you can sign up to get our starter pathways for free, our first five pathways that we've released. We're releasing another one this month and every month. But what's so cool about Community Plus is we have all kinds of content there to help you as you're navigating your pain to purpose journey. And so, you know, bonus episodes of, of podcast guests that we do deep, some deep dive conversations yeah. with that, that are not on the podcast feed, right? 
Um, we've got mini courses of some different topics, like how to read your Bible, how to hear God's voice. We've got um, live coaching replays. We've got masterclass replays, these things that we've been offering every single month. Mm-hmm. We've got live event replays. Anything and everything that we've done as a ministry is there in that library of content. You can access that at $20 a month or $200 a year. And I'll, and I'll say this, this, yes, you get great content by doing this, but this is also a way for you to support the ministry because right. as as you guys help us and support the ministry financially, it allows us to make more strategic decisions in terms of growth, yeah. in terms of being able to staff this well, in terms of being able, being able to do, provide more content, uh, better community, and better coaching as you're navigating your your unique valley. So we're just really excited about this. We want you to check it out. Nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. And you can take a look at how you could partner with us as we're partnering with you, as we're all partnering with God to take back our stories. So excited about that. I, I'm like like thrilled how streamlined it is. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can find his music wherever it is you stream your music. We also would love to engage with you on social media. We are in it's on Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, and at Obsamp. Next week, we're joined by Kim Charette who is the founder of a nonprofit organization called Hope Reigns. It serves children and families dealing with trauma. Cannot wait, cannot wait for you to hear from her. So let's take a listen to part of Davey's conversation with Kim Charette. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Ohio, outside of Cleveland, in an idyllic suburb uh, where everything was great. Um, and uh, we lived in a beautiful home. My dad was a very successful businessman, and it all looked really good, right? Mm. From the outside, everything looked perfect. Uh, and what people didn't know is that it wasn't good on the inside. And my dad was uh, an alcoholic and um, very abusive, and I never felt safe as a little girl uh, mm. in my own home. And uh, we never were able to talk about it. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have experienced um, addiction and abuse, and it's so shameful. And it was just, I, I have almost, as a kid, felt a little crazy because I would bring up, like, what happened? And it would just be completely cut off, right? And so my message as a little girl is there's something wrong with you. 